What's up, church? Hope you guys are doing well uh, this morning. Um, today, we are going to wrap up our series called Living in Light of His Return. And uh, for the past few weeks, we've been talking about some complicated stuff, right? Uh, a little bit, okay. Uh, we've been talking about some deep, complicated stuff. And so if you're new with us and uh, maybe today's your first time or maybe you've been coming for a few weeks and you're like, what, you know, I don't quite understand what all is going on and you just kind of feel a little bit lost, um, that's okay, that's normal. I totally understand, totally get it. Um, I will just want to say come back next week. Next week we are going to start a, a new series. We're going to be talking about the Christmas story and kind of what that actually looked like, um, which isn't exactly how we're all, you know, thinking necessarily, but at least that's something that we're all somewhat familiar with. And so we're going to be looking at that next week. Um, I'm pumped about it. It'll be, um, it'll, it'll be a lot different. And so just want to throw that out there. Um, I don't know about you, but, uh, but one thing that I really don't like just in life in general is flying, okay? I'm not afraid of flying, nothing like that. I don't like, and I'm not, and I had someone come up to me after first service and they're like, flying, you know, I got my own plane and I, and I like to fly. And I'm like, yeah, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. That sounds awesome, okay? I'm talking about flying like commercially. And so there's some things I just don't like about it. Number one, you, you know, you, you get into the plane, it's all stuffy in there. You know, you're breathing the same air that's been breathed in and out for like, you know, by all kinds of different people for hours and hours and hours. You sit down in your seat, it's still kind of warm from the last guy. You know what I'm, you guys have been there, right? Okay. I, I don't like that. Like, uh, you know, I don't understand who does. Um, the one thing, another thing about flying that I don't necessarily like is just the airport in general. Like, I don't like walking through with my shoes off, you know, in a public place. Like, uh, you know, I feel like that's just kind of a pain. Take off your belt, take off your shoes, just do all this stuff. Um, nobody, you know, I don't know anybody that, like, likes to hang out at the airport, right? Like, like people, everybody is just kind of a little miserable altogether. Like, that's what an airport is. Uh, a few years ago, I, um, we're, we're, we had the whole staff with us here at church, and, and we're, I think we were going to Tulsa, Oklahoma this year. Uh, we were going to a conference, and we had a layover in Chicago. So we're sitting in Chicago. The layover for, over was like two and a half hours, and, um, and I had lived in Chicago. My wife's from Chicago, and so I'm somewhat familiar with the city. So instead of the two and a half hours of just sitting there doing nothing, eating airport food, I was like, hey, I'm out of here. And so I jumped on a train, rode down to, the, down to the downtown Chicago, ate lunch at one of my favorite places, Portillo's, had a nice little walk around downtown, jumped back on the train, went back to the airport, and I was done, all right? It was sweet. I took up the whole time. I was action-packed, had stuff to do. I had good food, and then I was able to kind of rub that in everybody's faces while they sat there for two and a half hours doing literally nothing, okay? Why'd I do that? Airport's not the place I want to be. Like, I don't go, you know, I don't, you know, you look around, like, nobody wants to be there. Why? Because it's not our final destination. Like, no one ever said, let's go hang out at the airport this afternoon. That would be really fun. Like, nobody says that. Nobody does that. Um, and so, and so it's, just, it's just not our final destination. It's a stop in the middle of our travel. That's kind of the same way that we as Christians should view Earth or, or this place, Tiffin, Ohio, Seneca County, wherever you live. This is not our final destination. Okay, this is not where we end up. Like for Christians, I gotta you guys just gotta understand this. Our final destination, where we end up, it is so much better. It's so much better than what's going on in our life right now. We see in the Bible, the Bible explains it all to us. In the beginning, originally, God created mankind 
and a perfect place for us to live. And we were his people and he was our God and things were awesome and everything was good. And in this place, God had one rule. He didn't have a hundred rules. He didn't have a thousand rules. He had one rule. It's kind of interesting. I feel like a lot of people, they view Christianity or they view um, the Bible or God, in, you know, in general, whatever. It's like, oh yeah, church. Like that's just a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts, all these things you can't do. Don't do that. Don't listen to that. You know, don't go to that place. Don't do this. You know, it's just all these rules about all this stuff that you can't do. Some of us, I feel like sometimes we feel so like, or some people, they view Christianity as like, oh, that's so limiting of you. The original deal, one rule, that's less than any of our houses, right, is one rule. God's saying, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can eat whatever, you know, whatever you feel like, you know, you, you want to you eat. Just don't eat this one thing. Leave it alone. You can literally have anything else in the world. Just this one thing, just not this. And what happens, right? We know the story. Satan begins to tempt Right? He begins to twist God's words. That's what he does. He begins to deceive Eve, and, and she, he gets her to start questioning God. Well, did God really say? Did God really mean this? Was he actually telling you the truth? Does he have your best interest in mind? And we eventually, as mankind, chose to sin, and that destroyed a perfect relationship with our God. And then, since then, throughout the last few thousand years of human history, God has shown us glimpses of himself. Revealing himself to us, and he's also given us a promise through his own words through the Bible saying, Hey, I am going to fix this problem that you have. I'm going to fix your sin problem. I'm going to fix this relationship problem that we have because of sin. And that's exactly what he did 2,000 years ago as he wrapped himself in a human body. He came down born in a in a barn and lived a perfect life. And then we, as mankind, we were the ones who put him to death. We did that. And on that cross, the Bible tells us that God poured out his righteous wrath on himself instead of us. And when he did that, he paid our price. And guess what? What's crazy about it is he did it willingly. Like he chose to do this. He didn't have to. He wasn't bound. He didn't, you know, he didn't have to do it. He chose to do it. Do it. He did it willingly. And then he left. And the Bible says he is coming back. And he is going to reestablish this perfect place. And by the way, the only reason why he hasn't come back yet is because he is giving more time for people to come to him. He, he keeps giving us chance after chance after chance after chance for us to give our lives over to him. And, and that's, that, that's, what, that's what's going on. That's why he hasn't come back yet. But someday he is going to come back, whether we like it or not, believe it or not, whether we want him to or not. It's certain. It's going to happen. It's fixed. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about what that will look like when Jesus returns, right? The first week, um, or a few weeks ago, we, we talked about how the church or the Christians will actually be snatched away. This is how Paul describes it. It's kind of crazy. Uh, we call it the, the rapture is just kind of the name of it. But, um, but we, we get taken. And then the next seven years after that are going to be terrible, the Bible tells us. And this is what the Bible describes as the tribulation, which means it's just going to be awful. And during that time, the world's going to rally around this world leader who's going to, at, 
at the beginning bring peace, but he's all, he's all about himself, and he's going to declare himself God, and, and people are going to start worshiping him, and the Bible describes him as the Antichrist, and, and at the end of that seven years, this world leader is going to gather the armies of the world, really, to attack the tiny little nation of Israel, and when that happens, and when they're surrounded, the Jewish people are finally, finally, finally going to cry out to God, to their Jesus, to what the Jewish people call the Messiah, and that Jesus is going to return. It's going to be crazy when he does. He's going to be on a white horse. His eyes are going to be like fire. Uh, John tells us he's got all these crowns on his head. He comes back as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he comes, all he does is he speaks. He doesn't do anything. He just talks. And immediately the army's dead. And the world leader is thrown into hell. And Satan's thrown into this weird place called the abyss. And this marks the beginning of a period of time where Jesus governs the earth and he makes things right. And scholars uh, call this 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 period of time called the millennial kingdom, and it lasts a thousand years. That's why it's called that. Um, and uh, and the different scholars have different debates on all this stuff. But uh, but some say, well, it's not a it's not a literal thousand years. It could be any period of time. And, and you know, I'm just like, who cares? It's a period of time, all right? And during this time, Jesus Himself is going to govern the earth in from from Jerusalem. Now, it's pretty awesome because guess what? We get to be a part of this. Okay, we are a part of it. The Bible tells us that uh, those of us who have given our lives over to, to Jesus, which let me just throw this out there, is it everybody in this room? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, just because you came to church here, just because you feel like you're a pretty good person and, and you do good things, that doesn't mean that you are a Christian. doesn't mean that you've actually given your lives over to Jesus. The Bible says the only way that you get to, in a sense, go to heaven or the only way that you have a real relationship with God is you got to, like, decide to do it. Okay? You're not born this way. It, it, and I think some of the, for some of us, the best way to, like, kind of nail this down is or to question yourself, and I invite everybody to question yourself, is, is this. Can you think to a time at some point in your past that you literally made this decision to follow Jesus or to give your life over to him. And if you can't, I'm just saying, man, that's like a red flag. I, I, I do whatever, don't leave this room today without fixing that, okay, between you and God. That's the most important thing. Um, totally understand we got people in this room who you're new and you're just like, yeah, I don't know, I'm like trying to figure out this whole God thing. Like I'm not, I'm not there yet. And that's totally cool. We want you to keep coming here. This is where you need to be because you can find answers. They're all in this book. Okay, it's here. But then the part that worries me, the, the, there's some of you guys who, I'm just saying, you think you're good with God and you're not. You think, you know, you think everything's all set and you're not. Just because you believe in God does not mean that you're a, a, a Christian, a real Christian. Okay, you just have, you have to make the actual literal decision at some point. If you can't think of a time that you've done that, man, do that today. And so the Bible tells us that those of us who have made that decision at some point in, in my life, I can think back to the moment in my own life when, when I made that decision. He's saying, hey, for those of us that have done that, guess what we get to do? We get to govern with Jesus, like, we get to help rule or reign, okay, same thing. Um, we get to be a part of it, which is, which is pretty awesome. It's kind of funny. For me, you know, I grew up in church. I know a lot of you guys grew up, you know, going to church, maybe not like every week, but, but you know, a lot. And, um, you know, I, I view, you know, church, or I view like someday, you know, I'm going to die, 
and I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to spend eternity looking at God, right? Like, like I don't know necessarily what that's going to be like. It's kind of funny because we view heaven as this place that we all want to go because only because the alternative is, or the alternative is, is hell, and we don't want to go there. Okay, we know that place is bad, and hell bad, heaven good. But, uh, but for a lot of us, if we've actually thought about it, it's like we're just not, I don't know, we're not like super excited about going there to, to heaven. Because like, what are we going to do the whole time, right? Have you guys ever thought about this? Like, what are we going to do? Like, eternity is a long time, people. Okay, that's a for, forever is a, is a long time. And so some of us, we got this image of us like sitting on a cloud in our white robes playing a harp. I don't know if you play it. Like, yeah, that's how you do it, playing a harp, you know. And, uh, and that's, that's like your, your vision. And, and, you know, you're just kind of like, yeah, like that's what I'll do when I'll die. But, you know, if it's okay with you, God, I'll just stay here in Tiffin, you know. Um, that sounds pretty good to me. Or others of you, um, or, you know, this is, and I'm the same way, you know. Um, but it's like, view heaven is like, it's like, well, we're just, you know, a lot of these people are like more, more Christianized people. Well, when we get to heaven, I'm just going to worship Jesus for, for eternity. And part of our issue is we've messed up, we've kind of skewed this word worship to only mean, meaning singing and singing, you know, praising God, which is what we just got done doing. All right, that's just a tiny, tiny part of, of worship. Okay, worship is really a lifestyle. It's how we live our life. And so for some of us, we're like, the way we view heaven is like, man, it's going to be like, you know, a church service for eternity. Like, I don't know, man, like, like hell or church service forever, I'm not sure. Like, what? I'm not 100%. You know, it's that type of thing. See, this is what we got to understand, is that our God, listen in, is not a boring God, all right? Our God is not a boring God, and his plan is more action-packed than we can imagine. And it starts with this time. It starts right when he returns for this 1,000-year period of time. It's almost like, like what we see is that like when we come back with Jesus to this physical earth, like this place, all right, and we get to govern with him. Um, I don't know what that will necessarily look like. I don't know where we're going to live. I don't know what our day-to-day jobs will be. I don't know what kind of houses we're going to live in. But, you know, maybe we'll all be back here in Tiffin, Ohio. I don't know. And some of you guys are like, well, that doesn't sound like heaven to me. That sounds like hell. You know, I don't want to be here. But, uh, but I like Tiffin. Tiffin's, not, Tiffin's, Tiffin's good. But the Bible doesn't tell us where we're going to be. You could probably be wherever is going to make you the most happy. We'll be happy anyway. So maybe it doesn't even matter. But here's the deal. We will be here on this earth, in, you know, here on this planet. That's what the Bible has to say. Actually, check this out. Um, he says, I will create. So this is uh, God telling us. He's saying, hey, I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. The sound of weeping and crying, that will no longer be heard in her. He's like, no one's going to be crying. No one's going to be sad. There's nothing to be sad about. He says, in her, a nursing infant will no longer live only a few days, and an old man not live out his days. He says, indeed, the one who dies at 100 years old will be mourned as a young man, and the one who misses 100 years will be considered cursed, all right? Meaning, meaning will be considered, hey, some, something was super wrong with that person, or they, they were super um, sinful or whatever. So here what we see is that we get a glimpse of what life on earth will look like when Jesus returns, 
Okay, no sickness, no disease. Uh, people are going to have joy. There's nothing to be sad about. Uh, there's no miscarriages, and, and everybody seems to be living a long life. Now, some of us in here, you're going, whoa, 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 what's going on? I thought, I, so this is where we're going to be, and you're saying that we're going to live a long life, which means, I mean, do we die? Do we die again? What's going on here? Do we have the chance to, like, do wrong? What's the deal? Here's the thing. We're not the only ones here, Okay? Those of us who are Christians, either, you know, if this were to, if the rapture, let's say, were to happen tomorrow, we get caught up. If we were to die in a car crash tomorrow, we're going to go. Either way, we're going to be here for this. But uh, there are also the people who are living on earth at the end of the tribulation period. Okay, those people um, are the only ones left are the only, are people that worship Jesus, okay, that, that worship God. They're, they're believers. And, um, and these people get to enter into this period of time. And, but they still, they're still not like heavenly bodies. They're not in heavenly bodies like, like we are. Like they're still mortal. They still, they still die, okay? Their life has changed, meaning they get to extend or they get to live extended lives. They still give birth. Um, they have babies. They, they die. And uh, these people still have the ability to sin, but it's just not a huge struggle. You know why? Because number one, Satan isn't here wreaking havoc, this is what he does. Remember, he's locked away during this time period. And on top of that, Jesus is here. And he's reigning. We get to worship him like in person. And these people will still have a sin nature, kind of like how we do today. It'll just be so much easier to control than what we're dealing with today. They won't be faced with all this temptation all over the place. And so think about it. The earth will be mostly how God originally created it. We see this in Isaiah chapter 11. It says, uh, describing kind of the nature aspect of, of the, the earth, it says, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. That doesn't happen today. And the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, the young lion, and the fattened calf will be together. Uh, and a child will lead them. Now, I don't know about you, but I ain't letting any of my kids, like, walk around with a lion. You know, that's not a good thing here in this age. But in the future, that's like totally fine because it's just like, well, what's the lion going to do? The lion's going to like snuggle it, my kid. And, you know, I don't know what I'm even talking about. But they're going to be nice. Like it's not going to eat it. Okay. So that's good. It says the, the cow and the bear will graze and their young ones will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like cattle. It says an infant will play beside the cobra's pit and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. Uh, they will not harm or destroy each other each other on my entire holy mountain, for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. He's saying, hey, this is how the earth will be. I mean, during this time, the curse of the earth, which, by the way, was a result of our sin, will finally be lifted. It will be taken away. You guys get what I'm talking about? Remember the curse that God put on nature because of our sin? I mean, there, there are several things, but one of them was Hey, um, back when Adam and Eve sinned, and God's like, hey, there's consequences for your action. And so back then, um, the, you know, trees and everything just provided food, and that was totally normal, and that was totally fine. And, and so Adam and Eve, whenever they're hungry, they're just like, pop, uh, you know, eat that, whatever. It was total, you know, that's how it was. But then after God puts on this curse, and he's like, hey, there's going to be thorns and stuff. Like, you're going to have to work for your food. It's not going to be easy. It's not just going to grow all on your own. You're going to have to put effort and sweat into it. It's not going to be like that anymore. 
that's going to get taken away. Things will go back to the way that God originally created it. Uh, other places in the Bible describe earth as it's going to be a place there's not going to be any deserts because everything's going to be growing and there's no disease and it's going to be the perfect environment. In fact, what we see in the Bible is that the earth is actually waiting for this day. It's waiting for this. We see this in Romans chapter 8. It says, for creation eagerly waits. This word in the original language for in Greek in, for eagerly, it's got the idea of like standing on your tippy toes, craning your neck to see over something. Like you're eagerly waiting saying, hey, is it coming? Is it coming? Is it coming? That's what creation is doing. That's the imagery that the Bible gives for creation. It says creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed for this time. Uh, for the creation was subjected to futility. Futility, that just means like death and decay, okay, was pushed onto creation. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be someday set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. It says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. So here we got this idea, we got this picture that nature is like crying out to God, standing on his tippy toes, craning its neck, going, hey, Jesus, when are you going to return? We're ready. We're waiting. Like, we're tired of this curse. We're tired of, of, of all this that's going on. Like, we, it's like nature in a sense, not that it's actually happening, but it's this idea that nature is saying, hey, we want to be free. And everything's going to be good during this time. The majority of those who are born, they're going to worship Jesus, and there's going to be peace, and there's going to be a perfect government. I mean, can you imagine that? Probably not, <laughs> right? People are going to be happy, joyful. They're going to be loving life. And then Revelation 20 happens. It says, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will then be released from his prison. And he will go out to deceive the nations. Now, by the way, I just want us to understand this. This is what Satan does. We get that? Satan deceives us. What do he do in, in, in the garden, you know, way before with Eve? What's he doing? He's questioning. He's, he's deceiving. He's lying to her. This is what Satan does to us. This is what Satan does uh, to, our, to our world. Um, just, uh, just a couple weeks ago, it was actually the week of Thanksgiving, um, I got to attend my very own first parent-teacher conference. Okay, you guys done that before? You know how that is? Um, I, uh, so Toby, he's in kindergarten now, and so I got to go check that out. Um, didn't really know what to expect. I hated that as a kid. I'm like, my parents and my teachers shouldn't be talking. I don't like that. But uh, here I am like, hey, what's going on? I want to know everything. Um, so I go into his classroom and, his, and meet his teacher and stuff, and it's kind of how what you picture. There's like stuff everywhere, and it's all primary colors and little desks. And, and we actually went up, Kate and I, we went and sat on this like, it was like a round, half round table, teacher sitting in the middle, and we had to sit on these like tiny little chairs where you're like, I hope I can get up, you know, like that type of thing. And um, so we're sitting in these like little kindergartner chairs, and she's, she, the teacher starts going through um, some of this stuff. And really the main thing that I wanted to know is I'm like, I want to know, is my kid a good kid? Like I don't care about like reading and, you know, drawing and stuff like that. Like, I want to know, is, is my kid a good kid? Like is, is he obeying? Um, is he being disrespectful? Is he being a jerk? You know, I want to know what's going on. And so um, I'm kind of, you know, I find out, uh, we, we talk about that a little bit and 
she tells us her system. She's got this, she's got this system that where she, um, when the kids are good, every day they come in, they, they have this little card on their desk. I don't know if this is like a universal thing. I never had it when I was little. But um, if the card, everybody starts off with the green card. And so then if you get in trouble or if you get a warning or something like that, then it gets flipped to yellow. And then it's like, watch out. You're about to get in real big trouble. But then if they do something else, then it gets flipped to red. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what happens when it gets flipped to red. It basically just announces to all the kids in the entire class that you're the worst kid ever. You know, that's what it does, I think. And so, um, and so we've talked about that a little bit with Toby before. He's like, yeah, some kid got a red card today. I'm like, oh, man, that kid's bad. You know, that type of thing. Uh, maybe some of your kids. I don't know. But um, not mine. And so I'm asking her. I'm like, and so she's telling us. She's like, yeah, Toby, he's never even got his card flipped. Not even to yellow. You know, I'm like, shoot, we're about to do the card thing at home. If that must work. And so um, we're talking about that. And, and so that's good. I'm like, all right, card's never been flipped. He's a good kid. That's good. I don't really care about any of this other stuff. So, but she, she you know, she's got her thing. So she's telling us about this. this and she hands us this paper of a drawing. And she said, hey, this is a project that we did. I think it was even that day. Um, maybe it was the week before. I don't know. But for Thanksgiving, she's like, I told the kids to draw, like, what they're thankful for, you know. And so uh, she said all the kids are coming up to her. They're giving her their, their drawings. And he's got, like, kids are thankful for their parents and the kids are thankful for the cat and toys and just all this stuff. And she says, Toby brought his up, and he said, I'm thankful for God. And I'm like, that's my boy right there. <laughs> and he said, oh, by the way, God is so big that it couldn't fit his head in, in the picture. So it was just a body. And so she, he's like showing her this. And, uh, and so she was like, cute, you know, whatever. And then, um, she, then Toby starts like preaching, man, which again, I'm like, yeah. Go for it. And he's like, oh, and you should be thankful for God more than your mom because if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't even have mom. And you shouldn't be thankful for your cat because God gave you that cat. And you shouldn't be thankful. So he starts, like, telling all these kids. The teacher's, like, doing damage control. He's like, kids are probably starting crying. I don't know what's going on. I wasn't there. But I'm just like, she's telling me this. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. My man, Toby. Let's go. And so she's like. She's like, sends everybody back to their seats. Like, you guys, everybody go back to their seats. And Toby goes back to his. And Toby keeps on talking. He does this a lot. He talks to himself. We're working on it. We're trying to get that to stop. I'm like, dude, that's not normal. Um, but uh, he goes back to his seat. And she overhears him talking. And he says, and Satan, he's real too. And he's what makes all you kids turn your cards. You know? <laughs> And I'm like, he's not wrong. It's kind of true. Don't go around telling people Satan's in them or whatever. That's not good either. But, uh, but, like, but like that's what Satan does, right? Satan deceives. He tricks us. He trips us up. And he does that on purpose. Even my kid knows that. Uh, he says, so that's what Satan's going to do at the end of this thousand-year period. He's going to be let out. Everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be, not perfect, but everything's going to be close to perfect. Everything's going to be good. And he's going to go out and he's going to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth. It says Gog and Magog. Don't worry about that. That's just kind of the name um, for these people. And he says, and he's going to gather them for battle. He says their numbers is like the sand of the sea. So there's so many people on earth at this time because for the last thousand years, people are popping out kids right and left. Not us because we're, you know, we're not part of that anymore, but like the people who are, who are, there's still birth and people are still dying. They're just living extended lives. Remember, 
So they're popping out kids right and left. And so population has grown. And it says, they came up across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints. Now, for a lot of us, we view this word saints as, um, because of the Catholic Church, we view it as like, you know, uh, somebody who is a Christian a long, long, long time ago who did something really, really, really good. And, um, and, and so we, they're saints now up in heaven. That's not at all what the Bible describes as saints anywhere. Okay, let me just throw that out there. All we see is that throughout the whole New Testament with the word saints, it's just describing Christian, Christians, okay? People who have given their lives over to Jesus. So guess what? If you've done that at some point in your life, you, according to God, are a saint. Congratulations. Welcome to the club, okay? I'm a saint too. So, um, so yeah, we all got promoted right now real quick in some people's minds. So right now, the, this army Satan leads comes and it surrounds the, the saints, all right, surrounds Jerusalem. Um, who's going to be there? That's us. So I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be surrounded, okay? Honestly. It says, the beloved city. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Not the saints, consumed the army. Just make that clear. It says, the devil who deceived them was also thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast, that's the, uh, that's the Antichrist that we've been talking about, this world leader the last couple weeks, and the false prophet, they're already there. We talked about that last week. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So this is what's going on. There's one last battle at the end of all this. And it doesn't last long. Jesus speaks and it's done. It's interesting. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about how John, um, one of Jesus' disciples, he's writing this, these words actually, at the end of his life, uh, Rome, a, um, they, uh, they, they sent him to this island called, called Patmos, and they exiled him, and he's, and he's, one day he's just watching this happen. Like God kind of takes him there and, and shows him, and, and Jesus tells him, hey, I want you to listen, and I want you to, to write down all this stuff. That's what the book of Revelation is. So John is listening and watching, and he's writing this stuff down just like Jesus told him to, and John's just like, man, I watched this happen, and it's just like quick. Like it's just done. It's immediate. And then John tells us that Jesus, right after this, he sits on his throne and he judges everyone who chose not to give their lives to him. And this is what the Bible describes as the great white throne judgment. Maybe you've heard that before. But uh, basically, he, everybody uh, comes before God that hasn't given their lives over to Jesus. And they have to answer for why they hadn't accepted him during their life. Right? The honest, sad truth is that there's probably people in this room, right, who will be there on that day. And they will be answering for, for that. And they will be, you know, they'll have to give that answer. And real Christians, those of us who have given our lives over to Jesus, we don't have to be there. Actually, we won't be there. And Jesus deals with those people and he administers justice because he's a completely 100% just God. And I'm sure that's not a fun day. And then John explains in Revelation chapter 21. He says, then that's all been taken care of. Sin has finally been dealt with. There is no sin anymore from this point on. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, this kind of boggled my mind because 
throughout, you know, my, my life, you know, I viewed heaven as kind of this place up in the sky where we're going to go up someday and do who knows what. Um, but this, as I'm looking at the original language in the Greek, this word for new is this Greek word ca- called uh, kainos. And uh, it's not like a new in origin type thing. It's really a new in nature. Okay, there's another word, neo, that they would have used for new in origin. This is a new in nature. And so it sure seems like to me, it sure seems like the Bible teaches that actually it will be this earth, it will just be renewed, like it will be fixed, right? Just kind of a different way of thinking about heaven someday. Maybe it's not heaven, it might be heavens here on this, uh, on earth, but it's renewed and there is no sin, so it's completely different. He says, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So if you like the ocean, like that's your thing, better go, you know, live it up now because it doesn't sound like it's going to be around for eternity. So he says, I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride, adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, hey, look, this is, by the way, one of the best verses in the entire Bible. So if you're sleeping, all right, focus in right here. He says, this is what John hears as he's standing there. Doesn't he, you know, doesn't know what's going on. He says, someone says, look, God's dwelling is with humanity. Not the angels, not the animals, you know, not anything like that. God's dwelling, who he chooses to live with for eternity is humanity. And he will live with them. And they will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God, exactly how it was supposed to be in the beginning. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. They are gone, it's done with. And then the one seated on the throne looks over at John and says, look, I'm making everything new. He's like, check it out. This place is sweet. You looking at this, John? You see this? You see that? You see this? He says, he also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. He's like, this is exactly what's going to happen. And then he said to me, he looks over at John, and I bet Jesus, as he says this, smiles. And he says, it's done. It's done. And I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And I freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. Here we got this idea where it's just everything's different and, and there's no more sin from this point on out. And God's just like, it's done. It's over. I've taken care of it. I mean, think about it. Think about how the earth will be. It's like there's no more pain. There's no more sin. No more fighting. No more disease. Sick. Cancer. There's no more breakdowns. No more breakups. There's no more divorce. No more loneliness. No more disappointment. There's no more sadness because there's nothing to be sad about. There's no more worry or anxiety or depression, no more poverty, no more getting old, no more back pain. One of the things that, <laughs> when I, a few years ago in my, in my 20s, so a long time ago, I like used to crack my neck all the time because it just felt so good, you know. And, uh, and one time I did it and it like messed up my neck and I think it's going to be like this till I die. Like sometimes I'll wake up out of my bed and I'll just, all I'll do is look down at the floor and my neck will like pop out and I'm like, ah, you know, and, and for the next week. I have to, like, I'm like this. And so it's terrible, and I hate it, and I don't know what's wrong, and don't send me your oils or anything. I'll be okay. Okay, I know what some of you guys are thinking. I know how to fix that. Okay, maybe you do. I don't know. But, um, but like, I won't have to deal with that anymore. I'm good with that. All right, I'm, I can't wait for that. 
There'll be no more wheelchairs. There'll be no more hospitals, no more funeral homes, no more prisons. You won't need any of that. That means there's no doctors, no nurses, no cops, no pastors. It sure sounds like I'll be looking for work um, when this happens. But uh, we won't be just standing around looking at Jesus bored out of our minds. We won't be just standing around singing the whole time. We won't be just standing around playing a harp or whatever. Um, We'll have stuff to do. Like, heaven is not going to be boring. See, we get bored because of the curse. We get that? We get bored because of sin in our life. That's our sin's fault. Heaven is not boring. Hell, I can promise you, will be boring. See, God did not create you for boring things. God did not create you for insignificant things. Like when he looks at you, he knows, like you will reign, I mean, he maybe even thinks, you will reign with me like royalty for eternity. You will reign with me like royalty forever. And when he looks at you and me, he sees all that will be, can be, all that should be, all that he wanted to be since the very beginning. And this new heaven and new earth, it's the place that we were created to be. This is the place we were created for. It's almost like heaven is, is here on earth, like, like they're merged. One of the cool things is we see there's one main city on earth at that, at that point. It's, the Bible describes it as the New Jerusalem. You could go read about it. It's in Revelation uh, chapter one, I encourage, or chapter 21. I encourage you to go do that. But John is trying to describe, right? He's, seeing, he's, just, he's just a normal dude. He's standing there trying to describe what he is seeing. He's just like, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Uh, just picture it as like a giant jewel. That's what the city looks like. It just looks like a, a jewel. It's shiny. It's bright. I don't know how to describe it. It's just better than what we can imagine. John, he actually gives us the dimensions to this place. He's like, it's roughly uh, 1,500 miles wide by 1,500 miles deep by 1,500 miles high. Basically, he describes it's like the distance from Canada to Mexico, from the Atlantic Ocean to the Rocky Mountains. Like this a huge city on earth. And, um, and again, it's 1,500 miles tall. So this, it, it, like, some, I was reading somewhere, someone came up with this. I didn't do this math. But uh, if a story, so it's different stories, but if a story is like 13 feet tall, it would come out to 660,000 stories. All right, if there's 20 billion people living in this place or living in this city, it'd be like each resident gets like a 75-acre cube Okay, to, to do whatever they want with. I don't know how it would be, but, uh, and then you got, still got the rest of the earth. You know, you still got the, everything else. But earth will be perfect in every way. There's not even going to be sun because we have God, because, because there will just be light, because God will be with us, and, and that's his glory, it's just shining. We talked about this before. One time, there's a guy named Moses in the Old Testament. He, um, he actually asked God, he's like, hey, can I, can I see you? <laughs> like, I just want to check it out. Let me see. And God's like, Moses, like, if you were to see me, you would die, like, instantly. Like, you would explode, Moses. I don't think that's good. But the, what God does do is he says, hey, I'll show you, like, the back end or the tail end of my glory. So he takes Moses. He stuffs him in this, like, little crack in a, in a rock or up on a mountain, and he covers his hand. Um, and he, Jesus passes by, and then he releases his hand, and Moses just takes a look at the tail end of God's glory, and his face glowed for, like, a week. Okay, everybody in the, in, he went down to the rest of the Jewish people, and everybody's just like, whoa, Moses, shut your face off. You know, like, it's so, it's so bright. Like, it's going to be crazy. This is how it's going to be. It's going to be awesome. 
It's so interesting because so many of us, you know what we do? We point to the past and we think, oh, the good old days. Man, or, or well, in my day, we didn't have this, we did this, and everything was good. We didn't, you know, it's just kind of how we think. But the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible points to the future saying, no, 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 no. The best is coming. And that's going to happen when Jesus returns. That's what we have to look forward to. Meaning those of us who have actually given our lives over to Jesus. John, at the end of this in, in Revelation, he says in Revelation chapter 22, he says, he, meaning Jesus, who testifies about these things. He's like basically saying, hey, this is what Jesus told me to tell you. Okay? He says, he told me to tell you, yes, I'm coming soon. That is more true today than ever before. And so for us as Christians, man, we got some awesome, sweet stuff to look forward to. Like better than what we can ever imagine. I mean, this makes me, as I'm like reading this stuff, I'm like, I can't wait to die. You know, I'm like, this is going to be sweet. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's, just, it's just crazy what's going to happen. And I think maybe this is the reason why Paul, and this is how we started off. How Paul, I think this is the reason why in First Thessalonians, what we were talking about, and then this whole series got kind of morphed and went out of whack. And, um, but uh, I think this is why he's like, hey, encourage each other with these words. I think this is the whole reason why Paul's like, hey, look at what we have to look forward to. Remind each other about it because it's so easy for us just to, to get stuck in our little things going on in our little lives that, that just bother us. And this gets on our nerves. And, and we got this and we got this. And it just kind of fills up our whole world. Paul's like, no, 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 no. Don't look at all the tiny little slivers of your life. He's like, look at the big picture. Look at where the end will be. Look at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be awesome. That's what we have to look forward to. We're not just sitting someday on a cloud, playing a harp, singing. <laughs> I mean, we're with Jesus. We're doing stuff. All right? It's not boring. It's awesome. This is not our destination. This is the, this is the airport of life. We're just hanging out, waiting. Everybody's just kind of miserable. It's not terrible, but it's not great. The best is coming when we, when we, when we get to our final destination. Let's pray. God, we um, thank you for this, and we thank you for, for kind of telling us, at least just giving us a little glimpse of how life's going to be. Something for us all to look forward to. And, and we know that no matter what's going on in our life and just all the problems that we find ourselves just surrounded with all the time, that this is our future if we've given our lives over to you. Like, this is what we have to look forward to. This is what's going to happen, whether we, whether we like it or not. And God, we thank you so much for that. God, you are so good. And, and you're so kind to us. And you don't have to be. God, we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. All right. Don't